The following program contains mature themes that may offend you and challenge you. As a result, you may paint an innumerable amount of Bristol boards, piss, and exhale fire, call for the host to be disemboweled in the village square, push for suppression, compelled speech, and an infinite number of deplatformings. Other listeners may experience the urge to laugh as we all hurl towards Armageddon, tolerate diversity of thought, control their childlike emotional impulses, stop taking everyone and everything so seriously. But either way, listener discretion is advised. This is Unmentionable, an unhealthy dose of realism with your host, Jordan Power. actual customer out here uh what's uh, what's the best kind of firework to buy wouldn't you like to know weather boy well where are your parents get sketchy back to you guys i love how petty the guy got he's like the kid's sketchy like is he sketchy wasn't he just like Aren't you sketchy? (laughs) Like reporters are sketchy. They get in your face with a mic and are like, talk, entertain the people for free. Like eventually you were going to get some blowback. Like when they were yelling fucker right in the pussy. It's like, yeah, we got sick of you putting the mic in our faces over and over. We, we, (laughs) can you play one more time? Here's like an actual customer out here. Uh, what's, uh, what's the best kind of firework to buy? Wouldn't you like to know, weather boy? <laughs> Where are your parents? Get sketchy. Back to you guys. You gotta look out for me. <laughs> One day on the show, we're going to play my favorite clip, which is a woman that fainted on live television. It's to this day. Yeah. We'll play it next week. Remind me. To this day, there is no funnier clip. It's a woman who literally faints live on television, but just it's like the lead up and what she says. And I think someone says at the end the like line, yeah. like, uh, oh, this is going to end up on, like, this is going to go viral. You know, someone sometimes yeah, yeah, will be like, yeah, yeah. oh, this is going to go yeah, viral. Yeah, yeah. Like those news clips, like, or some of them. Someone said of those, it in the show, like, oh, yeah. This is gonna go viral. They swear or say something ridiculous. And then, yeah. Well, I wish someone faints on this show. I know it'd be good for the download numbers. (laughs) Coming up on the show, um, we have a woman named Amy. I'm not going to say her last name. I do say it in the interview, but I'm going to butcher it if I say it uh, right now. Uh, She is was formerly incarcerated in California for five years, um, and uh, I didn't even ask her about her crime actually. But I was just kind of like, it's one of those things where you're like, is that tacky? I know it said like assault and kidnapping, and I was like, that's not that bad. You know, <laughs> you know, but it's been like she served at times so like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's not but um, the issue is I had wanted to uh, I, I actually messaged her a long time ago about an article that I read by Abigail Schreier in the Washington uh, Wall Street Journal, actually. And it was talking about a new law in California that they were introducing that essentially uh, someone would just have to self-identify as trans. Uh, and then uh, a male, say so a biological male, identified as male, and one day checks a box on a form and says, I'm trans, and does not have to live as a woman, does not have to take hormones, does not have to have any surgery, um, just, just ends up in the yeah. female prison. And the problem with that is, um, you know, certain other spaces, that's fine. You could just say to a person, hey, we don't want to, we don't want to find a trans, trans is but now you have a person potentially, and it did happen, who had sexually assaulted and raped women 
who appeared as a male, did not go through any changes and just checked a box and said, yeah, I'm a woman now and ended up in the female prison and then committed a crime again. And I think a lot when a lot of times you talk about these things is that people say, oh, that's the reactionary conservative uh, view on things like, you know, you could extend that to if you allow gay people to get married, dogs will get married and, you know, stupid, illogical <laughs> arguments. What? <laughs> that's just what we heard for, for a long it, period of really? time. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, and it's like also like I'm like, let the dogs get you know, <laughs> people, let go people are going to marry their dogs. I said, let them marry the dogs. <laughs> what do I give a fuck? Again, what is it? What does it affect me? A woman Don't that- let them blow their dogs. Of course. <laughs> They're gonna do it anyways behind the doors. If you know, if you, you know, what you gonna put a camera in their house? Those sick fucks are gonna do it anyways. But um, no, it's just like people would say all these like worst case slippery slope scenarios, and I don't think that trans people are more likely to commit violence than any member of the population. But uh, sorry, it proportionally more than any other group in the population. But it's just. When you have a male prisoner who, say, is under physical threat, it's just an easy way to get transferred to a prison where you will not get beaten up or killed. And if that person has a, has a you know, a history of some sort, then it creates problems. And then these women raise concerns, and it's like crazy media goes into their tailspin and frames it as some reactionary bullshit. And at the end of the day, it's just like, no, I think they have a point. I think they have a, a right to have a seat at the table and have an open conversation and come up with the guardrails and reasonable limits. Uh, you know, and for those of us who consistently like to explore the nuance, uh, again, you run a situation where you've got just two extremes coming at it and not framing it the right way. So I think from talking to her and reading what Abigail wrote is that a lot of these women are saying like, hey, we don't have a problem with trans women. We don't have a problem with trans women. We know most trans women are, are wonderful. We don't have a problem with someone who's, you know, taking hormones, surgery, whatever. But this this free-for-all, and I won't ruin the interview, but there is one part in the interview where they talk about a biological male being transferred to the female prison, and they gave them some literature Bro, explaining was, oh what, what might happen if one of them gets uh, raped and pregnant. I, I was shivering during that part. Like, honestly, like my eyes were tearing up yeah. while she was talking and it was insane to hear what she had to say about that. But again, it's like dereliction of duty in the media. It's just like everything is like Abigail Schreier is a transphobe and the cycle starts up and it's like buried in there on a random comedy podcast like ours. And that's why I love <laughs> having a platform is something so shocking that it should be, if this was a just world, it would be on the news every night. Yeah. And someone would have brought it up, but they've all been scared into submission mm-hmm. by by psycho activists who are doing themselves no favors because at the end of the day, it's like, listen, if you have a, like, it's like the transports thing. It's like, if you have a great position and a great argument, then you can debate. Mm. But when you don't and you know you're going to get beaten on the empirical data, then you start going personal and you censor people and you threaten them and you scream over them. And I mean, on a very basic level, these this is... Female prisoners saying like, hey, I don't want uh, a, someone that was a, mi- a man 12 seconds ago who raped 12 women to come in here and rape me in the showers. I, I think that's a very reasonable request and buried, blah, blah, blah. But the flip side is and the legacy media is dying and you have shows like ours and others that will elevate these voices. And that's the vibe of the show is, you know, dissidents, people who go against the grain from all walks of life, age, sex you know, political affiliations, just people that are going against the dominant narrative. And so 
I'm really happy she came on. Seriously. It's a great interview. The Patreon. Uh, oh. So the last 15 minutes, I asked her about what it's like to come out of jail, readjust to society, uh, the things you don't think about. What prison's like. Oh, that that was cool. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, that stuff will be on Patreon. That last 15 minutes will be on Patreon. And we've been through this before, but I will explain it. I know a lot of people are confused. So the last 15 minutes of the show, we are going to put that up on Patreon. So patreon.com slash unmentionable podcast. You'll get it on there. After the full episode, you can go on there and get the last 15 minutes. Really interesting stuff. And then as well, if you're a listener on Spotify, you will see it above this episode, you'll see it as its own individual episode with a lock button, and then Shivy will put the unlock link in there. And if you become a premium member on Spotify, you will unlock that, and you will unlock probably up to 15 or so, close to 15 archived episodes, the ones that you will see in your feed that have lock bu buttons on them. So we're doing that for some episodes because some people say, I don't want to sign up for Patreon. I don't want to get an app. I don't want to do all this stuff. So you can easily just hit, go through the link on Spotify and then Spotify will unlock it for you. If you are an Apple podcast listener, which I know a lot of people are on their iPhones, you will see at the top of our show, there's an option to become a premium subscriber. You can hit that. That's the easiest way to do it. You just go right on Apple Pay, double hit it, You'll sign up as a monthly member. It'll unlock that that 15 minutes bonus content with Voodoo from a few weeks ago and then about 12 plus episodes of the show. Some really good ones. Feetfinder.com CEO and then an interview with the world's biggest sperm donor. So as the show progresses and moves on, we'll consistently being ar be archiving and locking episodes on those two platforms. We just want to make it as easy as possible for people. You know, some people say, I want the bonus content. And the answer is just go on Patreon is the is the, the one way. The best one right now. I think the best yeah. way, personally, because you also get some bonus stuff on there. Yeah. Or Spotify or Apple. And then lastly, uh, we are no longer on YouTube. We've talked about this before. But if you want to watch this show every week patreon.com slash unmentionable podcast you can sign up and get the video of the full show you can see me and shivy and if we have guests in studio and all the clips that we play it's really kind of bringing it to another level and a lot of people have been signing up for that as well so here's a quick clip from the dreaded fox news with abigail schreier is the woman that wrote the article uh about this that included this woman in it um, and this is a quick interview with Abigail about the issue that we talk about. Federal and state prisons could soon be sharing a cell with biological males if a California law goes national. Under the Equality Act, any individual who identifies as transgender would be given the opportunity to transfer prisons based on his or her preference. The bill would allow male inmates to move in with female inmates, no hormones or surgery required. Joining me now is an expert on this topic and author of Irreversible Damage, Abigail Schreier. Abigail, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much, Ben. Tell me a little bit about what's going on here and really the concerns that we ought to have about women in this prison system where they really, it seems like, have no real way to appeal or fight back against the situation. That's right. I spoke to the women of the Central California uh, Women's Facility. That is the highest security women's prison in California. Uh, it's colloquially known as Chowchilla Prison. And these women are terrified. They are housed eight to a cell. They do not even have, um, th their guards do not even have guns. They walk around with batons and pepper sprays because women are less violent and men are already transferring in. There is, there is no requirement. All that a violent male felon need do is self identify 
identify as a woman and he is entitled in the state of California to petition to transfer in. It's astounding to me how you can have this kind of delusion about the differences between people, then actually form a policy that can put women at serious risk. What can be done to push back against this? I mean, this it seems to be you know absolutely terrible in terms of what these women could be experiencing uh, in very short order. That's right. I mean, remember that this would violate the Geneva Convention if it were done to prisoners of war. This mm. is horrifying, and it's about to become federal law. If the Equality Act passes, it will become federal law in all 50 states. So, you know, Joe Biden has already indicated he would sign this bill into law. It's right now in the Senate, and, and really for the safety and bodily integrity of these women, it really should be stopped. You know, uh, Abigail, I know that you are someone who is taken on this issue and you've experienced the kind of backlash that happens. So we're going to talk to one of the women that she referred to. We will link to Abigail's article in the Wall Street Journal in the show notes. We will also link to Amy is the name of the woman. We will link to womantowoman.org is the grassroots organization that she started um, with a couple other of the inmates. And uh, you can donate to that organization if you want. We're not pushing anyone to donate. We're not pushing anyone to a degree. If I donate, it's not an endorsement, yada, yada, yada. It's just, uh, I just think this is crazy that you are barely reading about this issue. It, it's it's really indicative of how far the media has fallen. So anyway, check out the interview with Amy and enjoy. Come on. I'm going to butcher her name, but it's Amy Ichiwak. Damn it. Oh, my God. Okay, wait. Wait, Amy. I'm going to get it. I promise. Uh, Amy Ichikawa. Boom. Yeah. You did it. You're giving me a look like you didn't quite get it, but I'm going to pretend you got it. You got it better than I do. <laughs> um, so this story, uh, it's there's certain hot button issues that the media won't touch, and Nowadays, it's anything probably like trans is the the one you can't really go after the the dominant narrative. And I fa uh, follow this woman on Twitter named Abigail Schreier. She's a journalist. She wrote a book called Irreversible Damage. It's one of the most controversial books of the year. And uh, she wrote an article. It was in the Wall Street Journal. And she'd interviewed you and a bunch of other women who were incarcerated. And she was talking about a law in California, SB 132, which took effect in January. And I'll just read what it says. It says, it allows transgender identified male state prison inmates to transfer into women's prisons based on individual preference, no hormones, surgery, or time spent living as the opposite sex required. Uh, and then since then, there have been... 264 uh, prisoner, male prisoners have said have come out and said, I'm non-binary or I'm trans. And I believe over 20 have already been transferred into female prisons. Now, this is one of these things where it's like, you know, I just want to get the disclaimer out of the way. I, I don't think trans people uh, overall are more likely to commit crimes or kind of all these different tropes that are trotted out. But it kind of seems like a situation like this. It's like it's a radical change in society. There's no guardrails. There's no one saying, okay, you identify as trans. You know, what steps have you taken? It's just kind of a California-style free-for-all. 
of we're just going to let them come into the prisons. And this is a unique situation because I think if, if I'm a male prisoner, uh, I see an opening. I see an opening to to move somewhere where it's safer. I'm less likely to get killed or attacked. And opportunistic felons are going to take advantage of the situation. And on your end, the kind of women that you work with and, and know are kind of standing up and saying, like, wait a minute, can we pump the brakes just a tad here? Can we kind of explore this a little bit? And the backlash to Abigail on social media is just sort of shut up, transphobe, just sit back and take it. What do you what do you think? Is that basically what you're what you're hearing from people? Yeah, that's a pretty good rundown of, of what we're dealing with. Uh, there is a just a wall that people are not willing to go up against because they are afraid of um, being canceled. But uh, I don't care. Like, it doesn't bother me. That's fine. I just have to um, somehow get this message out because all of these women are being silenced. Uh, they're really pretty much the most forgotten, marginalized sector of women entirely. And this is the largest women's prison in the world. So it, it, it's a really big population of ladies that are uh, just being completely ignored. So the messages were overwhelming. There were so many coming in. There was no way that um, I could just, you know, I I ignore it. It's extremely disturbing. And I was trying to be sensitive and 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 really um, get some education after, you know, I went in and went kind of hard. I didn't understand how controversial this was. I didn't understand um, <clears throat> women's rights is a really big deal. I was thinking this was not nobody's going to be against this. This is a safety issue. This is a human rights issue, but it's really complicated. The politics are so deep. Um, well, it's framed as this sort of like on, on kind of like, if you're looking at us two sides, it's like, you have this one side who's acting like it's just this, your reaction is just this bigoted animus towards trans people. Um, and you know, you don't just, you don't know what you're talking about. And then you have other side, like on very conservative sides, you know, who refuse to use pronouns, who refuse to accommodate. And one of the things she said in the article was that when she was interviewing a lot of the female prisoners, they were saying to her, I have no problem with someone who's legitimately trans coming into the prison. It's just, you've now laid down a law where anyone can self-identify and come into prison. And she mentioned that, a, uh, I think it's the majority of female inmates, correct me if I'm wrong, had been a victim at some period in time of abuse, whether that's physical or sexual. So it's very triggering for them to have someone come in the prison who appears to be a male. I think it's 77 to 90%. Uh, oh my God. Like on an official statistic that incarcerated women have been um, sexually abused on some level. Um, in my personal experience, I think it's safe to say 100%. I don't know any woman that I met over the course of my term that hadn't been exploited or, you know, physically abused. There was, there's something that's how everybody's story starts with with something happening with man uh and it's a serious trigger um but there was a lot of soft conditioning that went on before uh the law was implemented you know orange is the new black that was a really big deal because everyone was groomed to think that 
um, Laverne Cox was coming in to the prison. Mm -hmm. uh, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. That's not what's going on at all. Uh, like you said, there's no guardrails. So <clears throat> all you have to do is check a box. Go to classification. You just go yeah. to classification and say, I, I'm, uh, I'm gender fluid. I'm myself. I identify as me, myself, and I. And you totally qualify for a transfer. Um, and you can't make any decisions uh, based on someone's, you know, physical anatomy or criminal history, so or sexual orientation. So you have heterosexual, um, full, fully intact men who identify as something other than a man. Any anything that's that's under the the gender fluid umbrella uh, is passable, and it's such a you know nuanced thing now it's it's discriminatory to um kind of press any of these issues like how do you define what someone someone being true trans you can't say that you can't what what does that even mean um but what we're our focus is that we, we just need same sex to prevent basic safety issues from occurring this isn't um we're not trying to be exclusionary in a mean or hurtful way or put anyone in danger but you can't um you know, uh, provide one community's rights by taking another one's away. Yeah, and that's what you're and, seeing. You're seeing on this issue, you know, competing interests between you see a lot of the radical feminists, you know, feminists, radical feminists, whatever, or just women in general clashing with trans rights activists because naturally it would clash. But I think one of the things is like for anyone that wants to think that you and I having concerns around this are reactionary, I just want to, can you, can you just confirm this for me? Because this is what makes it insane. So I could be, let's say I've lived my life as a man for 30 years. I've been gone to a male prison because I have raped and killed a woman and I check a box and you're telling me within a period of time, within days, weeks, months, I'm in the women's prison, no hormones, no surgery, just in the showers. That is exactly correct. Oh, my God. Michael, and nobody's going to – nothing bad's going to happen, <laughs> you know? Of course. No, they're only, they're only sharing a the, – they were saying that in your prison it was an eight-person to a room. And uh -huh. all this – so – Something so, cool. When you were in prison, did a, did an inmate come in to the prison – that said I'm trans and did not at all appear trans. Well, he didn't have to say that. Um, they, they kind of announced that, that we were going to have a special transfer coming in. And it was a big security move because um, the person is a convicted like serial rapist. <laughs> so Holy shit. You know, this is this is I was I wasn't even on oh that yard. God. This happened in I think two thousand and nine, maybe ten. I was on a completely separate yard, and I was still so disturbed because the crime happened. This person was extradited from Texas, and the the original crimes happened. I was running while you were like <laughs> slapping me. I was like, <laughs> "You go, girl." <laughs> This, this person came from was extradited from Texas, and the double rape occurred in the same county as the prison. So there are people there that remembered when it happened. So it's it's additionally traumatizing. Um, and this person was extremely aggressive. Uh, um, 
uh, with with staff, with um, the ladies. Uh, and like I said, I was in a completely different yard and I still called home every day, like hysterical. I can't believe this is happening. And they were like, you know, you're saying it wrong. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then once the, it was, it hit the paper, they were like, oh, oh, okay. And it wasn't, it didn't work very long because the politics uh, and the, the culture in men and women's prisons is entirely different, 100% different. We're not separated by security levels. It's just a women's prison. In uh, men's facilities, you're separated by security levels, um, sometimes race, affiliation. There's all kinds of security measures taking action in where you're housed. So when somebody comes from a men's facility, they are used to running a totally different program. Was there any trepidation um, from the guards? Because I had read that in the female prison, the guards don't carry guns. They don't. There's the only guns are at the all the way at the front of the prison, and it would take them several minutes, probably 10, 15 minutes to get a gun back from the front all the way to one of the yards. It'd be too late. You're dead. Everybody's dead. It's far away. And and they're not prepared. Um, the, the Obviously, the physical issues or the altercations aren't going to be the same. In, I mean, I've seen some horrible things happen, but it's still not uh going to be as difficult as containing you know um male inmates they're 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 bigger they're stronger they're yeah no no you, you can just you can speak honestly i mean it's it's a little bit crazy that we have to like dance around it i mean it, was um, there any talk of potentially moving that inmate into a separate area or would that be construed as non-inclusive that, yeah, it's exclusion. It's um, um, it's discriminatory uh, because of the Prison Rape Elimination Act. You're not allowed to uh, separate people based on their gender. That's the federal law. So um, that would be just like separating somebody, you know, for another uh, protected class. You can't you can't do that. Uh, which is what everybody you know thinks would be an awesome alternative, but it's 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 discriminatory. You you can't so. You just got to put a more stringent screening process uh, or do what was originally agreed upon, which was no no penises in the women's prison. That would have eliminated a lot of uh, issues that we're having right now. It's weaponized. It's like a weapon. We, yeah. we, can, we're, we can't bring that to a fight. So mm-hmm. automatically it's going to feel um, like you're, you're lacking. It's it's it's. Uh, it's, it's not well it is scary it is these are people that are traumatized and um they've got complex ptsd now it's it's not like it's regular kind it's morphed into this complex with more severe disassociation uh people are tripping out because when you when you're traumatized and then you continue to live in a similar situation and you're re-traumatized again and again and again it um has it's severe impact. What was the reaction day one from your fellow prisoners? Would they just have this incredulous look on their faces as if to say, like, is this seriously happening? Um, well, when I was there, it, it was it was shock. It was it was shock, but it was it was a, a special circumstance. It wasn't something that um, was on such a grand scale. But this, you know, last year when they started getting um, 
kind of groomed to understand that there were going to be a, 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 a you know quite a few of them transferring in the the literature that they were giving me it was uh, it was crazy it was so dehumanizing what did it say i couldn't i was um i was just if i wasn't reading it or holding one of the flyers in my hand i wouldn't have believed it but as soon as somebody went to medical for a, a medical ducket and she said that there was a poster that had never been there before and it said uh, options for inmates should they become pregnant and the <gasps> options were plan B pill, an abortion, or uh, connecting with a social worker to adopt out. So that they were overwhelmed. We were getting calls. I mean, I was getting calls at this point. It's just back to back to back to back to the point where the lady said, can you make a hotline? Because people have to talk now. They need somebody to talk to now because there's no consensual sex in the Department of Corrections. There is no such thing as consensual sex. So if, if there is no consensual sex, that something like that is, is, is being interpreted as you're, you're letting, you're, you're green lighting, you're going to allow people to come over here and rape us, but you're going to give them condoms and, you know, um, make sure they rape safe. It's just sent out a, what the fuck a is overwhelming... Yeah, oh my this is I mean, this is the it, this is when I pump the brakes on progressivism. I'm a pretty progressive guy on certain issues, but, you know, you cannot just say free for all. Let it all happen. I mean, not only do you have competing interests, you have safety concerns, you know, and these are radical changes in society. And I, I just think it's just I was reading another case in another prison where they did let uh, someone who um who had not gone through hormones and surgery and had sexually assaulted several women um, right in the prison. Just no questions asked. It was just check the box and you're in. And I, I think it's a, it's only these lax, these policies are extra lax in California and Washington. But what is the policy in states, uh, other states that want to be, you know, accommodating to a transgender woman um, but what sort of guardrails do they have in place to say, you know, you need to do X, Y, Z? Um, well, historically, I think it's just been uh, with your birth gender, whatever's on your ID. I think that's where you're going. Um, but other states like New Jersey, New York, they're starting to adopt the gender self ID concept. Uh, and, and, there, there is some of it does make sense. You, you can't just put people with sensitive needs that are, 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 you can't put them in the eye of a storm like that. It's, it's, it isn't safe. But what is it is being completely overlooked is the fact that nobody is asking the men's population to go through some sensitivity training or to stop hurting them 13% more than anyone else. Uh, they're just being sent over here. But with them comes all the people they're trying to get away from too. Sure. It's, it's, it's very, uh, it doesn't make very much sense. Well, and I imagine if you, you know, it's kind of like the transport issue, like someone was, you know, I criticized, um, just cause I've just reviewed the science and it's just, you're seeing what's happening with Leah Thomas, just going in yeah. and setting national records. And again, these are things that 80% of the population doesn't agree with, but they've been, you know, forced into submission around it and I imagine if you bifurcated this same issue that there would not be a lot of uh, prisoners who went in as say female self-identified as men 
and then transferred to the male prison because they would get killed. Nine. There's nine. And allegedly, there's allegedly there's nine that have requested. And I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that for even one second. Nobody is asked to go over there. Nobody wants to go over there. Yeah, we know it's it's horrible. It's it's like you're you're practicing for gladiator stuff every day. It's 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 not it's 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 totally different. It's not something that you know we're designed to be able to deal with. Uh, nobody freaking wants to go over there. It's so crazy. They just need to make it sound good, like it's balanced. But let me tell you something really crazy. A, tra- a trans man is not going to be able to take advantage of the law the same as a trans woman. Sure. Because essentially, anybody that's born a woman isn't getting these rights. You're not going to get your rights because you're, you're, you're really were a woman before. You're you just also, identifying yeah, now. And it's the same inherent physical advantages you would have in the sports. For example, I'm not against trans men participating in men's sports. There's no inherent physical advantage there, but same sort of thing as you're talking about. But what do you say then to someone who would say, okay, well, if someone is, let's say, because we're talking about, you know, outliers and people who might abuse the system. But if someone's legitimately trans and is, you know, biologically male, decides in prison, you know, I'm, I'm a woman now and starts to present as a woman. And I imagine that inmate in the male prison would encounter a lot of violence, possibly, so what do you say to people who say, so now you want them to be unsafe in the male prison? Uh, I, you know, no, I, I, I do. We we definitely want to make sure nobody, everybody's safety is taken into consideration. Uh, they shouldn't, they're not going to be, I mean, some people do great. Some people do great and they don't want to come over there. Some people come over to the women's prison and then go back. Um because it's not all it was cracked up to be. Uh, but we do want to make moves respectively with, with everyone's safety in, in consideration. They're just, if there would have been some communication in the authoring of this bill in the early steps where um, they were developing it and taking uh, in, information from uh, the trans community and, uh, you know, having meetings with people at the men's prisons and not talking to anyone in the women's prison, we could have really prevented a lot of this. Um, but again, you know, they, they, they told the women, don't worry. Um, the screening process will be so stringent. You're not going to have to worry about sex offenders or, you know, there's not going to be any rapists. There's not going to be any child rapists. It's, these are going to be But also here's the pamphlet on how to get an abortion when you've been raped. Yes. <laughs> also, also yeah. they can't really reconcile both things. Eh? I mean, it's kind of like it has to be one or the other. I mean, I think I right. think what people say when I talk about this issue, this specific issue, they go like, oh, well, do you think uh, well, then do you think trans people are violent? And it's like, no, I don't think trans people are more violent than any member, like any group in the population. But you're now talking about a syst- uh, person who is biological male who has a history of violence against women. And you're putting up no guardrails. You're not secluding them in any way. And you're just telling the women to just deal with it. And and compounded by the fact, like we said earlier, that those women have experienced violence, sexual violence, physical violence over their lifetime. And uh, no input, you know, from the female prisoners. I, I think one of the reasons is they're scared of the media. They're scared of the activists. And they're scared of these NGOs like GLAAD, who essentially, if you just go against... I'm sure I'll be on one of their lists one day. It's just like if you just go against the narrative even slightly because this stuff's all nuanced, 
you go against it slightly, they put you on some shit list. Like I was reading about Abigail because she's on their shit list now because she dared to question the narrative. And one of the, the point was that she brought up a story where someone who had there were no guardrails went to the prison and and raped one of the female uh, inmates. And she brought up that story. And what they tried to do on their shit list was debunk her account of that. Um, and it's funny because it's like those are the same kind of groups traditionally who say like, how dare you question a rape victim? How dare you question the like, you don't think their story is legitimate and they're willing to do it. And it's just like this times we live in now. It's like people are just willing to do anything, throw away any principles to be on the right team or to yeah, win. Yeah. And there's very few people that are just sort of like, no, this is right and wrong. And I, that's where I find myself a lot of the time. It's just like, I don't care what anyone says about the transports issue. It's just very clear to me what's fair and what's not fair. I mean, it's the basis on dividing those sports anyway. So one of your one of that was reading when I was reading Abigail's article, she said, um, "This is Rochelle Johnson. She was serving a life sentence at the prison you were in, and she says many of the men who are transferring there aren't even on hormonal medication. They're getting a full erection." She said, "So you're locked in this room twenty four seven with a man, and there's nothing you can do about it." If you tell the police you don't want to live with a man or you're afraid of whatever, you'll get a disciplinary infraction. So you're basically punished for being scared. So say, let, let's put it in her shoes, this situation she's describing. If you went to the staff at the prison and you voiced your concerns, what happens next? Uh, in the beginning, um, a popular response was, tell your governor, thank Newsom. What? Yeah, um, which is like really inappropriate, especially since their union are best friends with him. So don't say that about your your buddy um, that you sponsor. So uh, do you think they secretly agree with you? Um, yes, a lot of them. A lot of them do. Um, but a lot of the older, uh, more seasoned um, correctional officers have gone into retirement they're retiring early um the the current staff are it's an, a really high number of new 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 not new commits new um new officers that are straight out of out of school uh these aren't people who have the um same level of coping skills or experience on how to mitigate these issues uh they're new. They don't have any mentors. Um, all the cops that were there when I was there have retired. They're gone. So there aren't, you know, the older cats who, who want to give you that fatherly talk or want to come and check on you guys a couple more times to make sure nobody's killing each other in the middle of the night. They're gone. So, um, and I think a lot of them had to leave because it was unbearable. It was freaking unbearable to have to watch this happen because I, I mean, I think there was even a, a higher ranking officer, maybe even a captain, and she she was she was crying. She was crying with the women on the porch one day because she said she was so sorry that the system had failed them. Uh, so when you see that level of defeat coming from staff, I mean, it's it's really it's really scary. And 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 what this has done, this this law has created a um, you know a privilege group. Because what they're allowed to do and, and the things they have access to, nobody's ever had access to those kinds of rights before. So it's, it's, it's kind of like they're, they're untouchable. You can't, 
the, the police are, or the correctional officers are not comfortable to, to, to do any disciplinary actions. Um, they're not, you, you can't say no for any reason, because if you do say no for any request, you have to submit your reason why in writing, and they're not going to write a report. Uh, they're getting bed moves to wherever they want to be in the prison. And that was a huge deal for us, because if you want to get a bed move, historically, you're going to have to do a whole lot. You're going to have to do a whole lot. I mean, I, I got beat in a room for six months without the possibility of a bed move because I was new. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have any pull. I didn't know any old timers that could go advocate for me. Uh, I wasn't going to hook up with a cop. They probably didn't want to in any way. There's that you have to go yeah. those great lengths yeah. in order to get something that is accessible to them to the point where you can move every day until you find wherever you want to be at. It feels like a twilight it's, zone. It, it really does. I mean, I there's parts where I'm just kind of like, I, sometimes I just hit myself in the face, and I'm just like, what, what, like this is pretty clear. I mean, just add some sort of reasonable guardrails to this situation, and it would change things a great deal. I mean, you're still going to have the physical advantage of the person coming in, but I think the vast, vast majority of trans people just want to, you know, be somewhere where they feel like they're included. But... I don't understand the justification for no guardrails. It's just this, I call it kumbaya politics, where it's just like, let it happen, defund the police, let it let it go free-for-all, and then it's a free-for-all, and you're seeing what's happen, hap, what happens when you defund the police, and you're seeing what happens with Leah Thomas, and it's just like, yeah, um, were we all scared into submission of just not raising our voices? And it's, it's one of those issues. It's like this and race, and people just do not want to weigh in because they don't want the mob they don't want the headache so you guys are organizing now and you have a lawsuit um what is the basis of that lawsuit it's really long <laughs> it's uh, it's a violation of so many different um i think i have basic it. human rights you know there's no equal protection of the law there's no right to I, I mean, it's there's a lot of different sites. Your right to practice your religion freely. I mean, how are? What if you're a devout Muslim? You can't. How how do you? You have to take a shower, and there's 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 just no way to make this work. Yeah. Uh, not under the current situation or the current uh, guidelines and all these imaginary guardrails that that the author of the bill said were were in place that would prevent these things from happening. That was just. A, a complete lie it was a complete public just big giant lie well the biggest one here is 14th amendment it says right to equal protection under the law i feel like that one's the clearest the eighth amendment is right to be free from cruel and unusual punishment you know subjective but i understand your argument there and then the first amendment is right to free speech free exercise of religion like you mentioned well and against that yeah. one it, it got really interesting because Somebody, I like it very interesting. Um, people are being, uh, uh, when you say, oh, this man put his penis on me. No, a woman with a penis did right. something to you. Of course. So your your your, your sense of reality is, is being canceled. You know, it's, it, we already, your rights have been taken away. You committed a crime, you're in prison. You know, this is expected. But now not only is, are your basic freedoms taken, but you're, what you're seeing right in front of your face, what you experienced is no longer valid. It's being totally re rewritten and rethought for you. 
So it's 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 on a whole it's on a very deep level that this is um, affecting these women, like every fiber of them. No, I mean you're obviously out of prison now. What do you hear? Are you still in touch with a lot of people inside? Oh yes, yeah. I have about um, yeah. It's a pretty extensive list. Um, there's about 150 people on my contact list. So we're going to take this to Patreon, just continue the discussion. I want to ask you what it's like to get out of prison and then readjust to society and all the stigma that goes along with that. So this is the end of the regular episode. If you want to join us on Patreon for the rest of the conversation, patreon.com slash unmentionable podcast. Or as I previously kind of talked about on the show, you can unlock that bonus content on your Spotify or Apple player. Um, And we're going to put all your information in the show notes. Um, I'll also link to the lawsuit as well and, uh, people can donate to your cause as well. Right. On their website. Okay. Okay. So yeah. we'll do that. Thank you, Amy. I really appreciate your time. Thank you too. Take care. Bye. Appreciate-